Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today is a solo Q&A episode and I have three questions that I'm going to dive into. But before I go into that, I just want to go over a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, if you're sick of focusing on just weight loss and instead want a body recomp, then my one-on-one online coaching program is for you. I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my body recomp training, nutrition, and lifestyle methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. There's also at least one or two bottlenecks that we find outside of the training and nutrition protocol that are keeping you from or holding you back from seeing results more than you think. So again, feedback on that and the coaching process really helps us figure out what that may be for you. So if you're interested in that, you can fill, check out the website page it is in the show notes. You can also reach out to me on Instagram and we can talk about what it may look like and things like that. If you aren't interested in full coaching, I do one-on-one consultations where we troubleshoot any issues you have and or map out a game plan. Lastly, if you want to learn more about a body recomp, what it is, how to do it. I have a masterclass on this topic exactly, and you can find the link to that in the show notes as well too. Next, if you want to find out more information about me, you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. That's where I'm most active on social media. I do weekly Q&As two times a week, actually. So if you have any questions and then potentially want them answered on here, you can follow me on there and ask me those questions. And then lastly, if you have found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, and that will help more people find this podcast. And I appreciate everybody who listens currently as well too. So with that out of the way, let's dive into today's question. So the first question, is it better for muscle growth to have more than one gram per pound of body weight? So this is a good topic. There was actually a study here that I want to go over as well on this, but I do think this is a good question because I think a lot of times when people uh, want to build muscle, maybe they want to maximize their muscle growth. They think that, so from that standpoint, obviously like you hear about how protein is important and, uh, and we know that, but I, I think with anything in fitness, a lot of times when you hear, oh, hey, something is good for this. And again, protein, people talk about it's good for muscle growth uh, and it is needed. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but even from a diet perspective, right? Somebody's trying to lose body fat. They may hear, Hey, you need to eat more protein. So people hear that and they automatically assume that the more they do, the better, right? It seems like it's very common in in fitness, nutrition related advice. The more you can do it, you hear something's good. So the, you think the more you can do that, the better it is. However, that's not the case. Now in saying that protein is super important for the muscle building process, particularly. Now, in saying this, you need to make sure that you're weight training, right? If you're not weight training, you can have all the protein in the world, and it won't matter from a muscle building standpoint. You have to send that signal to your body to build more muscle. Um, that is the, uh, there for that. So again, maybe if you have a period of time where you can't train for a while, just eating more protein, while it may help a little bit, it's, you know, you're going to be, if, you know, if you're not going to be sending that signal to keep your muscle or build more, uh, just more protein isn't going to um, do anything there with that. You, you need that stimulus. You need to send that stimulus to your body to build more muscle. So this leads back to, okay, is more and more protein better? So we know we've established that, hey, you do need protein to build muscle, right? It's there to, once you send that signal to build muscle, then you have the protein and that kind of completes the process, right? And we know that without the weight training, you can have all the protein in the world and it's not going to make a difference from a uh, muscle building standpoint. So where's this kind of number at, right? Does this mean that this having more and more protein, is that better than having X amount of protein? And so really there, there's this, there, 
comes this point to where too much protein, it's not going to add any more from a muscle building standpoint, and it may take away from things like carbohydrates and, and fats, right? I want to dive into this just a little bit more. So is it better than, is it better than, is it better to have more than one gram per pound of body weight? And actually, no. So we know that general kind of consensus, that magic number is about one gram per pound of body weight. So people will ask, well, if I had 1.5 grams per pound of body weight, two point two grams per pound of body weight. Is that better? And no, there's that kind of that tipping point where you get to that point where it's, Hey, this, you probably maximize everything from a muscle building standpoint and everything else comes down to preference and, and whatnot from there. Right. So we know that's not better. And we'll, again, we'll look into this a little bit more. If you are, and we'll talk about um, specific numbers here, but I, I guess that's what I want to do here in a minute is, is talk about specific numbers. I want to go over the study as well too, but real quick, what I want to talk about is we have to think about this from your overall diet. What would be the cases for going over one gram per pound of body weight? What would be the cases for not doing that? Because we know that, Hey, you can probably max everything out at around about one gram per pound of body weight, maybe even less than that. Now I'll talk about this study here in a minute. Some benefits of going over would be obviously the satiety aspect of it. We know protein can be very satiating. So it can be very helpful from that standpoint. If you have trouble with consuming too many calories, adding in more protein can be helpful from that standpoint. Another benefit is if you just enjoy eating a higher protein, if you like that kind of way of eating, then then you could certainly do that. So those would be two reasons I would consider going over one gram, one gram per pound of body weight. So you could see where maybe there would be more of a utility for it. And it would be maybe more so in a fat loss phase to go over one gram per pound of body weight, especially for this um, aspect. And there is some thought that protein, there's not thought protein does use the most energy to absorb and digest as well. So there, you could see a small increase in your overall daily energy expenditure by increasing protein, but it's going to be a small amount. It's not going to make this massive difference from day to day, but anything can help uh, at, at that point. Some reasons that I'm not a huge fan of going over one gram per pound, pound of body weight is simply going to come down to if we have a fixed amount of calories that we have to eat, we have that caloric budget, the more and more you make up from protein, that means that there's going to be less from a carbohydrate and fat um, standpoint. Now, in certain cases, this may be good, but if you're not hitting your minimums for fat and carbohydrates and you're just thinking that, oh, hey, I'm going to eat more and more protein, it's probably not going to be the best from a body composition um, performance standpoint. We know carbohydrates play a big role and they, they help spare protein, right? The higher your carbohydrates are, the probably the, the more it's, it's going to make sure that you, your body doesn't use protein for like energy purposes, right? And, and whatnot. So there's that. Carbohydrates are great for a recovery standpoint. We also know that carbohydrates are great for training performance, right? So if carbohydrates are too low because you're trying to hit such a high protein intake that may actually have detriments to performance and the other things um, that I mentioned. Same thing with fats. We want to make sure that we hit a minimum amount of fats or so for just, we need essential fatty acids each day. And then also from a hormone standpoint, if we go too low with fats, that could have some detriments there. So we want to make sure that we hit that our protein doesn't get so high that then we take away food from carbohydrates and, and fats. Plus just getting over one gram per pound of body weight can be fairly challenging to do. And again, it's, it's not the most tasty way to eat as well either, right? So it can be challenging to get that much. And those are some reasons for and against it as to why I would do it. So what I want to kind of transition this talk to real quick is a recent study that came out. There was a recent study titled effects of 16 weeks of two different high protein diets with either resistance or concurrent training on body composition, muscular strength and performance and markers of liver and kidney function in resistance trained males. Just what they did here, the purpose of it, of it was it's unclear whether resistance training and concurrent training combined with different protein intakes have differential effects on hypertrophy, strength and performance. So they wanted to compare 1.6 kg, which is around 0.7 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight, and then 3.2 a day per gram, 3.2 grams a kilo of body weight per day. And so that's going to end up being about 
six, 1.5 grams of protein per day if we're going from pounds. And this was uh, during 16 weeks. Okay. So they had 48 resistance trained males. So that is key to remember. It was all men um, that they had in the study and they performed 16 weeks of either concurrent training. So they did some endurance as well um, with that. And then, or they had somebody with uh, resistance training um, and they either had 1.6 grams of kg per day or 3.2 grams kg uh, per day. And so what they found was all measures of performance, lean mass, muscular strength, and power significantly increased post-intervention in all groups, but peak power gains were greater in resistance training two compared with resistance training one and two, meaning that the power was you needed a little bit more protein for that. No matter the higher protein amount was a little bit uh, better there for that. So the conclusions they found were with the exception of peak power intake of 1.6 grams kilogram per day. So we're talking about 0.7 to 0.8 grams per day of protein appears sufficient to maximize gains in lean mass, muscle strength, performance, and aerobic capacity during both resistance training and concurrent training. This also did not influence markers of kidney and liver function, indicating this daily protein amount is effective and safely tolerated in young, healthy adults. Really to sum that up, they found that once you got past that 0.7 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight, there really wasn't any extra benefit of more protein past that point, right? So for you, what does that mean? We can get away with less. You don't have to stress about getting one gram or more per day. And again, we are already kind of preference this by saying time, basically situations where you would want potentially want to go higher and then situations where it wasn't great. So again, if you're somebody that's, oh, I got to get in all this protein to maximize muscle, but then you end up shorting yourself on carbohydrates and fats, you're actually probably doing yourself a disservice there. So we can get away with a little less. Now, what I did want to say, there was a couple things that I wanted to point out here. So this is important to note. They asked the participants to remain in a positive energy balance throughout the study. So there's that, right? So they were in a positive energy balance, which may alter that, right? I think you could get away with a little less protein when you're in a positive energy balance, right? So we need to make sure that but we also know that being in a positive energy balance was better, is better for, is going to be slightly superior than like being at maintenance or a deficit, definitely more than a deficit for muscle growth. What this means is that if you're in a calorie deficit, would this potentially change the numbers, right? And it could. And, and I think there's kind of, like I mentioned earlier, one of the benefits of protein is it can increase your total daily energy expenditure slightly, right? It uses the most energy to absorb and digest and the satiety aspects, right? Protein is very satiating, which can help you uh, manage your overall caloric intake. So uh, again, you might, that could be a period of time where you'd want to potentially increase closer to one gram, maybe 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, potentially for those reasons, right? But that's not necessarily for the muscle growth, muscle maintenance benefit, um, right? It's going to be a little bit different there. So we do need to, to keep that in mind. So that could be a time when you potentially utilize a little bit of a higher protein intake. But if you're in a surplus, you can probably get away with a little less than you think. So basically that's the finding of that. I think that this can help you figure out when you need to, if you can get away with a little less protein, do you need to stress about that? But also do you feel like you need to hit these massive amounts of protein? And, and you really don't, right? I still will recommend most clients get to around one gram per pound of body weight, but we're also not going to stress that, especially if let's say they're in a building phase, we're definitely not going to stress it. Let's just make sure we're getting to around 0.7 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight maintenance. Maybe it's a tiny bit higher, probably going to be close pushing a little bit closer to that one gram per pound of body weight. But again, if they are progressing in the gym, um, we're noticing they're building muscle, they're not really having trouble sticking to that calorie amount, not going to push them to continue to get more and more protein. Again, they're seeing the results we want to see from body weight standpoint. And then in a, uh, a deficit, same thing, right? Probably going to push a little bit closer to that one gram per pound of body weight. If somebody wants to eat a little bit more protein, hey, totally fine. You can maybe get a little bit of benefit from it uh, by going a little bit closer to 1.2, maybe slightly higher, but you don't have to 
to do that. And past one, 1 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, it doesn't start to impact your fats and, and carbohydrates as well too. So hopefully this was helpful. So that is it for that topic. Again, the more I learn about protein, the more that I don't stress about having these massive amount, this massive amount of protein. All right. So next question is any specific advice about bulking after 40? So first of all, I'm not a huge fan of using the word bulking. I feel like that really steers a lot of people away from doing it. The wording can be just super important here. I just had Alan Bacon on the podcast and we talked about this. That episode should be out in a week or two. If it hasn't already come out, I don't it wouldn't have come out yet. So it should be out relatively soon. And the way we phrase things, I, I think can turn people away. So instead of bulking, maybe we should say building after 40, right? So anybody over the age of 40, and, and let me state that there's this myth that like, as you get older, things slow down, you have to drastically change how you do things. And I really don't think you need to do that. Yeah, your body's maybe going to be a little less responsive. Maybe recovery is going to be a little bit slower, but from an actual, like your body isn't changing that much from say your thirties to, to your forties, your right? Like you don't have to make these massive changes to, to what you're doing, essentially what I'm saying. Yes, there's some change for sure, but it's not like, Hey, you're in your forties. Now you need to do something drastically different, right? That's still going to come down to people's training history, training age, you know, what their lifestyle is, what they've been, what they've done in the past, et cetera, right? Current body composition and whatnot. So in saying that, let's take this again, specifically, I cannot talk specifically from a building standpoint after 40. So I'm still going to push these clients closer to maintenance or the high end of that. So again, they specifically know they, they need a build and they're not trying to look for fat loss at this time. They're just trying to maybe add muscle again, maybe get a period of time where they're eating a little bit more calories. So I'm still, before I, I really push like a surplus, I'm going to get, make sure that they focus more on stress management, good sleep habits, overall diet quality, and good consistent training that, that keeps them injury free. That's still going to be at the cornerstone of what I do here uh, with this client. Um, but again, that wouldn't change if somebody was 25 or 30. So I still want to make sure they're in a good spot. I wouldn't just be like, okay, hey, let's go straight into a surplus here and start ramping up those calories because I think that's where people get themselves into trouble. So we still want to make the, make sure these good habits are in check. As far as protein goes, protein, we just talked about protein, but protein may have to be slightly higher, especially for women over 40. Okay. So we just talked about in that last study, hey, 0.7 grams, 0.8 grams per pound of body weight from muscle building standpoint. However, like I said, in that study, they were resistance trained males, the average age was about 26. Could that change for somebody who's a little bit older, right? I think so. And especially for women over 40s as well too, I think it's super important that you make sure you hit enough protein. And then you also get that protein in around your workouts. Make sure you don't go too long without exercising and then without getting protein in, because I do think the, you dig yourself into a little bit of a deeper hole as you get older, right? Those, everything's, your body just is going to break down, not break down, but again, you, you need to send that, you need protein there to help rebuild everything. And I think that, that process probably happens a little bit quicker and a little bit more extreme as you get older and especially for women as well too. And as they go through the, the menopause period of time as well. And I know it, obviously in forties, for most people, that's not going to happen. It's going to be in your fifties, but again, a good habit to start building there with that. Now, again, we don't need to go crazy with the protein, but definitely make sure that we're not going super low all the time. So in saying this, if someone was over 40 and everything else was in a good spot and they really wanted to push muscle growth, they could do a small calorie surplus. I wouldn't be like, Oh, Hey, no, you're in your forties. You don't need to, you don't need to do this. I think that's a bad idea. Again, if we're going to still have have good building phase variables. Again, we're not going to go too quick with the weight gain. It's going to be a small calorie surplus. Everything else, like I said, is in check. Sleep's in check. Stress is in check. Overall diet quality is good, consistent training. They're pushing their training. That person's in a good spot to continue to be in a small calorie surplus if they want to be. If they just want to be at maintenance, high on your maintenance and know that, hey, muscle growth might be a tiny bit slower here, but I'm okay with that because I just feel like this is going to be better. I don't necessarily want to put on any extra weight. Totally understandable. But my main kind of 
takeaway from this is that you don't need to drastically change how you go about it. So long as again, those basics are in check there. All right. So next, next and final question, how much weight gain is normal when you go into maintenance from a cut? I feel like I get this question very regularly, so I did want to go over it today. And first, let me just state, it's very individual and depends on not going to be the same. I can't just be like, oh, hey, you're going to gain 2% of your body weight. Hey, you're just going to gain two pounds. Like It's so different from person to person. And then on top of that, there's a lot of different things that go into it. And I actually just had another question on this. Hey, I'll probably answer this next week. But hey, I, I have my last five pounds to lose, but I'm really nervous about going to maintenance because of weight gain. And it's just like, hey, if you're at that point, like you're putting too much stock into the scale weight at that point. And that's just, there's somebody that really needs to work on that and you need to focus on other things as well and not just the scale weight. Because if you specifically just focus on scale weight, that's going to lead to you spinning your wheels um, at some point. Because if you're somebody that's like, you just can't take having a couple pounds, you're at your absolute low weight and you can't see it come up at all. Something's got, you got to work on something there. Otherwise you're going to spin your wheels. Okay. There is that. Now with that out of the way, I did want to go into what are some things that can um, influence how much weight you gain on coming back to maintenance, right? Cause it really is going to, it's again, not only is it going to be different from person to person, but within this, their specific context and what they did leading up to that, it's also going to have a, is going to play a massive role in that. So first thing is going to be how lean you got. The leaner you got, expect to gain a little bit more weight. It just is what it is. If you're somebody that you went from 20 to 15% body fat, I don't think, and this is for men, right? Say 25, 27% down to 20 for women. I don't think you're necessarily going to gain a ton of weight on that process on the way back up. And this is also very contingent on the fact that you're controlling these things on the way back up. If you don't, obviously this is with understanding that you're still going to be on top of your nutrition and and still be monitoring things in some way. If you just go from a fat loss phase to then now you're just going to do whatever you want, not track anything. Well, you are going to run into issues. And that's where I think a lot of this stems from this kind of being afraid of going back into maintenance. A lot of times people, they attribute that to like, oh, hey, I was cut, I was cutting. And then I ended up just not tracking my food. Therefore I'm at maintenance, but really you're not at maintenance. They gain a ton of weight. And now it's, oh, maintenance doesn't work. I just gain a ton of weight after uh, my fat loss diet. I need to always be in a fat loss diet. That's where you get yourself into trouble. You need to make sure you're still monitoring things and you still have, you're still eating a lot of the same foods for a period of time, just a little bit more of them. You're still weight training, right? This is under the assumption that you are doing these things. So again, how lean you got is going to play a big role. Like I said, if got down to 30% to 20% body fat, again, I don't think you are going to gain that much weight on the way back up. That's, you might gain a couple pounds again, once you start eating just a little bit more, but you're not going to gain, you're going to gain way less than somebody who got um, super lean. How depleted you are. So did you see more than 1% of your body weight or more of weight loss per week for multiple weeks on end? If so, you're probably going to be a little bit more successful. You're going to be more likely to, I'm not even going to try to say that word, to larger increases potentially. Um, so the quicker you lost weight, uh, you're very depleted. You're going to be more likely to gain more weight weight. Again, when I say more weight, you're just potentially going to gain a little bit more on on the way back up. Whereas somebody who maybe they went at it at a a little bit of a slower rate, had some diet breaks in there, weren't as depleted, you're probably going to see less weight gain going back to maintenance. How much food you increase following fat loss? If you're, again, this is somebody who they go from not tracking, right, right? They are tracking in their fat loss phase to not tracking. Well, it's going to be really hard to moderate your food intake following that. If you just do that and then you're eating a ton more calories, your weight's obviously going to go up more, but also from the standpoint of food volume. So again, even food volume. So the more just overall food you eat, not necessarily more calories and more food you eat, 
you are going to see a little bit of weight gain potentially there. Your current body weight, the lower your weight overall, the less weight you'll likely gain compared to somebody who's at a higher body weight. That just makes sense. There's more more weight to gain or lose at that point. So that's going to have an impact. Somebody who's 110 pounds versus somebody who's 210 pounds, the weight gain is going to be different there on that. And saying all this, so genetics trumps it all. Some people just have more weight increases than others following a fat loss diet, and they just have more water weight fluctuations. And this is again, why we don't want to just use the scale weight as our only measurement here. We have to be looking at other things in the process. And again, you can't be scared of any amount of, of weight gain. There's going to be a tiny bit. If, if that bothers you, you probably need to work on the mental side of, of things, right? And this goes back to the, the bottlenecks. Uh, for some people, that is a huge bottleneck, their mental side of things, right? And just working with clients, I've seen it where some clients, you know, they're in a fat loss phase and they, they have some of these things where different on different ends of the spectrum or on the pendulum on these things. And some clients, they, they go from a fat loss phase to maintenance and they see their weight come down a little bit. They get more calories in their body, just drops a ton of stress. Um, so water weight lowers. They start because they're eating more calories now, their body ramps up subconscious movement, just kind of day-to-day -day movement that you don't really feel, aka your NEAT levels. And they end up ramping up their energy expenditure and they end up seeing their weight come down a little bit. Then you have some people that they don't really gain anything. It just stays right around the same within 2%. And then you have some people that they do see a little bit more see their weight come up a little bit more following it. It's really hard to say. I can't put a number on it because I really don't know. It really depends on the client and all these individual situation or these individual things. And again, genetics are going to be a big thing as well too. So hopefully that was helpful and gave you a little bit more insight into what to expect following a fat loss diet. So that's it for this episode. I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit JHHealth.net. See you next time.